Magpie Night, streaming to you free on Magpie Radio, now also available as a podcast, proudly supported by EasyBod's Global Payments. Now over to our hosts, Cono Driver and Sugarfoot, for today's show. Pies fans, we're back here on Pie Night. Welcome back to another show. On tonight's show, we've got all the review of the Game Against Wet Toast. West Coast, some people call them. I don't. We've also got a special guest to preview this weekend's game against Geelong. Multi-Logie Award winner, legend of the Australian entertainment industry, number one Geelong ticket holder, Daryl Summers. We're also going to do On This Round for Round 8 Years Gone By. And, of course, Sweet 16, brought to you by... Coca-Cola Zero, real taste, zero sugar. Welcome, driver and sugarfoot, to another episode of Pie Night. Kono, how are you doing? Well, look, we could be better. We could have had four points against West, West Coast, but we didn't, uh, we didn't do it. We didn't quite get over the line there in that last quarter, did we? We gave it everything, though. No, driver. We should, we have, didn't uh, leave we should have done it. We didn't leave any bullets in the tank, and maybe that might affect Petrol us. in the tank? Petrol in the tank, whatever you want to call bullets it. Bullets in the gun. Uh, bullets in the gun, whatever well, look, it was. We're mixing our metaphors. We gave it everything, guys. Whether it'll affect us in the next couple of weeks, it's possible. But when you go over there, you just want your team to give it their best shot. And I think we've got to give the Collingwood team credit. All the guys who played, I was very impressed with the way Heath Shaw went about his business again in the back line. Ben Johnson with drive off half back and through the middle. Well, he and changed the game, didn't he? In that, in that third quarter... He started getting a bit more of the ball in the, in the late, you know, second half of the second uh, quarter. But in that third quarter, he really, he really took that much heralded uh, West Coast midfield. The other guys who changed the game, I thought, were Scott Burns and Dane Swan, who spent mm. a lot of time early on the bench. Um, but then when they came on, they really fired. Burnsy has that effect, and he's had it against Carlton the week before. And again, he just seems to settle everyone down, gets the hard balls. Just really uh, directs the traffic around him once he goes goes in there. Mm. I, I don't know what it is, but I think Burnsy has actually probably picked up a yard over preseason. It's hard he, he hard to lighter. imagine he that. He actually looks like he's dropped his a few body KG. shapes changed. Yeah, as has as a Swannies, I think as well. But obviously, and uh, let's not forget, probably two of the more maligned players by Collingwood fans who really stood up when we needed them to were Josh Fraser and Leon, Leon Davis, particularly mm. in the third quarter on Weirpunda. Or however you pronounce it now, he seems to change the spelling of it on a weekly basis. Yeah, I don't mind about him. I I think our boys, as you say, Josh Fraser, I think rightly he's judged by a different standard. He was the number one draft pick in Mm. in a draft that yielded some other good players. And uh, Collingwood fans have had big expectations. Um, It's been a few weeks. I've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. And I'm one of those people who... Rate Josh by that higher standard. Well, look I've at got to grand. say he's really coming good. It was a pity he ran out of um, ran out of a Petrol bit of juice in the end. Yeah. Um, he ran himself into the ground against two very good ruckmen. Well, there's no doubt Cox and uh, who was their second ruckman? CB. CB, of course. Sorry, CB. Um, it was always going to be a tough task, especially against Cox, who Sugarfoot. You're uh, you're obviously a big rap for him. Huge rap, Kono. But, uh, but all jokes aside though, uh, Sugarfoot, um, I think the only thing with Josh is that it's possible he does need a bit of support with his tap work around the ground. There can be absolutely no question he, uh, he dominated. I just think, uh, he had something like 13 taps. I'm not sure that whether many actually went to, uh, to, a, to our advantage. Um, is that somewhere, something that maybe, uh, a Cameron Cloak or a, or a guy Richards comes in as the pure tap Ruckman driver? What do you think? It's possible, Cono. I mean, I've got to say, I think Josh Fraser needs to assume the mantle as number one ruckman. The tap work may not have been fantastic on Saturday night. 
Um, it's hard to judge from the television. I wasn't there at the ground. It appeared to me that the three umpires were bouncing at completely different heights. And when you're standing in that constricted circle now, it must be almost impossible for Ruckman to judge every second bounce coming in from a different angle and at a different height. Both sets of Ruckman were missing the tap in the centre. Mm. It wasn't just Josh. Cox and CB were also missing it. The other thing to remember also is... The reason why a lot of Josh's taps weren't necessarily hitting the targets as they have previously, we're up against the best midfield, arguably, going around. I mean, West yeah. Coast, unbelievable side. Well, the only thing that was really, uh, I guess for me, disappointing watching that game was that there's no question whatsoever that Chris Judd is a fantastic player, a star, but... You know, the way Channel 10 go on about him, you sort of get the feeling that no matter what he does, whether he spills a mark in the forward line or whether he, you know, misses a tackle, that it was the best missed tackle in history. And uh, and it was something that was annoying the hell out of me personally watching that game on Saturday well, night. Were there two teams playing? I don't think the directors and the producers at Channel 10 knew that. I don't even know that they knew there was a game of football on. It was judge-centric. I agree with you, Cono. But at the end of the day, he did play a great game. He was probably the best and most influential player on the ground. We're going to have to quell him next time we play them, yeah. hopefully in the finals. Look, I thought I was, I was really happy to hear Mickey's comments after the game that we're not satisfied with an, an honourable loss. No question. No way. I mean, and I said that on last week's show. Mm. I said, if I hear another person saying, if we go down, that, oh, the reason why we went down against West Coast is because, you know, they're a top four team, then that's a, that's a disgusting comment. Yeah. The fact is that we should have won that game. Okay, is there a class difference? Was there a difference in terms of uh, the selection Quint, table? Quentin Lynch kicked five goals. I mean, how likely is that to happen? For well, I can tell you there's a, there's a definite reason why, because Simon Prestigiacomo is now, we can say it officially, He's a media whore. Well, Simon, I think it's about time you focused only on your media duties here at Pinite. Do you give us a commitment that from for the next few weeks you'll stick only to this show? The silence is deafening. Thanks, Presty, but we uh, we don't want to see you on the couch again because uh, that's the most goals I can I can recall being kicked on you in the last bar, couple bar, of years. Sorry, Bar Lloyd getting about eight free kicks in the goal square against Sesame. Yeah, but that's, that doesn't that, count. That, that, that's that Lloyd count. and three Boys, umpires. votes. Driver? Uh, three to Josh Fraser. Two to Heath Shaw, one to Leon Davis. I think there's a lot of boys who are stiff to miss out, including Dane Swan, Scott Burns and uh, Ben Johnson. Driver, great minds think alike. Three to Fraser, two to Shaw, one to Davis. Boys, I'm going to go a different tack. I think Fraser had obviously a very big influence on the game. I think Leon Davis, two votes for me. He nearly won that game for us in terms of what Mick was trying to do and playing him in front of Wirrapunda in that third quarter. And I think one vote goes to Shane O'Brien, the centre. He battled hard all day. And when we got those okay. centre clearances, he was the one that found space. He was the one that took that ball out, and he was the one that delivered He's it forward. He's having a great year. Yeah. He is indeed. Let's hope, guys, next time we play this mob, and hopefully it will be in the finals, we're going to go that one step better. It's been 16 years since we've won a flag, Pies fans, and this year we'll win another. Coca-Cola Zero, Sweet 16. Coca-Cola Zero, Real Taste, Zero Sugar. Thank you, Driver. Boys, the last few weeks we've selected, position by position, the best players to have played for Collingwood over the last 16 years. At fullback, we've got Presti. Centre-half back, Craig Kelly. In the ruck? In the ruck, we've got Monkey. Centre-half forward, we've got Big Pebs. At full forward, we've got Sav. Big Sexy. In the centre, we've got the Bucks. skipper, Nathan Buckley. Alpha male. And this past week, we've been looking for the rover for our team. Uh, thank you again, Pi fans, for sending in your emails. Where did they send in those emails? They sent those emails to pinight at collingwoodfc.com.au with the subject line, Sweet 16. 
Um, we had an, a lot of emails again this week. There were the some interesting Rover, nominations for the position of Rover. Very interesting. But uh, the winner, gentlemen, was Tony Francis. He's the Rover in the Sweet 16 team. There we go, little man. The little man um, pipped Tony Shaw. And, Narrowly. Uh, maybe for our listeners out there, Tony Shaw may find another spot in the side. But maybe he won't. It's all up to you, listeners. And the winner of the uh, Coca-Cola Zero slab of coca-cola zero real taste zero sugar the winner this week is rick pierce so uh we'll be contacting him and getting him his slab of coca-cola zero well Well done and uh what we're also doing with uh with coca-cola zero is that they have got a fantastic promotion where you can sponsor a fully grown man and uh and to work out how do you do that you go to the zero movement uh dot com dot au uh, slash sponsor, or you can go to the collingwoodfc.com.au website and uh, and find out. And we were thinking of some uh, fully grown men to sponsor, well, ourselves, but obviously if you've got an interesting story as to why you should be sponsored, Coke Zero are going to come to the rescue. Coca-Cola Zero. Real taste, zero sugar. And for this coming week, we want you, the fans out there, to send your nominations in for the Ruck Rover of the Sweet 16 team. Who has been the best Ruck Rover to have played in the last 16 years? Now... When we asked Rover, we got a few interesting responses. Wayne Richardson, Barry <laughs> Price, I think it was. We had Ray, Sh- Ray, Ray Shaw. Shaw. Graham Wright was nominated for Rover. Um, but what we want is just players over the last 16 years. So, Pies fans, you know where to send it. Collingwoodfc.com.au is proudly supported by EasyBonds Global Payments. Secure online payments. EasyBonds online payments. Check out EasyBonds' website at ezybonds.com. Or see the Collingwood website to see how you can transfer money the best way online. On this round, round eight for years gone by in Collingwood history. On this round, in the Premiership year 1990, the Magpies turned their season around in atrocious conditions at Princess Park. They had lost to Essendon and Hawthorne the past two weeks and were staring another defeat in the face at three-quarter time as they trailed lowly Fitzroy by 17 points. Then Peter Dacos, the master, rose from the mud and inspired the Magpie faithful by kicking a thundering 75-metre torpedo punt. Right through the big sticks. It was the first of our ten goals for the term and it turned a certain defeat into a comfortable 45-point win. On round eight, 1993, Collingwood toyed with Fremantle at Victoria Park, our spiritual home, to run out comfortable 38-point winners. Big Sav Rocker kicked six, and Bucks was best on ground, as usual, with 28 touches and three goals. Bucks featured again in 1999 after we'd lost our first seven games. I remember it well. It was a freezing day at the MCG, six degrees when we played Fremantle, Ooh. my last game before I went overseas, and we finally managed to win one. Bucks was best on as the Pies finally tasted victory by 40 points. And in 2002, on round eight, the Malthouse Magpies came of age that night at the Telstra Dome against Brisbane. It was still Colonial Stadium, but my goodness, Chris Tarrant kicked five. Pebbles and Rupert Betheris kicked three each. Bucks and Licker were starring in the centre. And McGough. And McGough was tagging Michael Voss. And we won in the end by three sweet points. But anyone who was there will tell you that night, as soon as Roop kicked that goal that put us in front, the stadium roof nearly blew off its hinges, didn't it? It was magnificent. And that was On This Round, Round 8. Pies fans, you're back. 
We're all back here on Pi Night, brought to you by Easy Bonds Global Payments. The big game, Saturday night, MCG, 7.10pm start, Collingwood, Geelong. And for our match preview, we are joined by none other than the number one ticket holder for the Geelong Football Club, Mr. Darrell Summers. Darrell, welcome to Pi Night. Thanks, Cotto. Um, and your other good mates there, Drybo and Sugar Sugarfoot. Um, I, it's very magnanimous of you to actually entertain the thought of having me on, because uh, I thought you'd just be Collingwood, 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 and you wouldn't even entertain that you even had an opposition. No, no, very good point, Daryl. We we uh, we appreciate you coming on, but of course, uh, although we like to say we're Collingwood and you're not, and Collingwood is the envy of the nation. Of course, we wouldn't be such a magnificent football club had we not had so many fantastic victories over a team like Geelong. <laughs> Uh, you're going to go back to uh, was it 1953? 1953 when you you pipped us by uh, Lou Richards was captain and you just got us. So, but of course, we'd, Geelong had come off the back of winning the 1951 grand final and the 1952 grand final, and we were a bit tired. We'd won 26 <laughs> matches in a row, created the AFL record, as you know. That's right. And and then, of course, 53, uh, you just got us. Just got us. And uh, it was this close match. I wasn't there on the day because I was only two. But um, <laughs> it was exciting. But the rivalry does go back away, doesn't it? Well, that's right. It sure D- does. D- does the anger still linger? Uh, the <laughs> It's a lovely phrase. The anger still lingers. Like it should be a book. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I think uh, I'm not sure of the win and loss uh, record. We're ahead, Daryl. We're ahead. <laughs> Are you? By a fair way, actually. Oh, well, I forgive you. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, well, we uh, hopefully on Saturday we'll uh, Saturday night we might we might get one back only because. Of the obvious, which uh, you've come off a tough game against West Coast. It was you played very well over there, I think. But it was a hot night, and having to travel and play such a, a grueling match, and then travel back uh, with one day less to recuperate than Geelong. I would, I would hope that Geelong might just, might just, uh, you know, pip you at the post. But I, you know, we, I think we were lucky against St Kilda. Uh, last week, Geelong. I think, uh, in all honesty, I, I think St Kilda were due for a bad one, and I, I, it wasn't. There was a bit of flooding, a tactical. Uh, it was a pretty ordinary reason. game, wasn't it, Daryl? I watched it. Uh, I actually fell asleep during the last quarter of it. I was that bored on the couch on Friday. Well, yeah, you know, there was a lot of flooding going on because mm. it was uh, a bomber. Just, I think he said in the paper, uh, he just openly admitted. He said, "Well, you know, there were four or five blokes that he knew that may, may not last the game if it was an open running game, so he had to." use flooding, which we never normally use. Well, Dale, uh, one of the things about Geelong over the years is that they've prided themselves on playing attractive football. There have been a club that's always wanted to play good, positive attacking football, particularly in that Malcolm Blight era. Um, what's it like being a Geelong fan and watching a game that's, that was turned as ugly as that by your own team? Oh, it's a bit frustrating, especially when you see the... I, I think for any team, it, when you get down to those dying minutes and they start kicking the ball backwards, uh, you get booze, and I'm sure you get booze from both sides because it's negative football and, and it's not. it just goes against the spirit of the game, doesn't it? It sure does. And let's get on to some positive stuff about Collingwood in particular. You've had some recent experience with one of our superstars. Why don't you give us a little bit of dirt or a bit of inside stuff about Brody Holland that we wouldn't necessarily know, not having been on the inside of Dancing with the Stars? Oh, well, you mean like he's a wimp? <laughs> and a wuss? 
No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with you. Uh, now, come on, you guys, you should stick up for him. I mean, you know... I, he's he, one of our own, Daryl. He's actually, he's a, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Really was. He was, he was a, a bright spark in that, in that bunch of celebs we had in that, uh, in the series. And he was, uh, uh, he picked things up really well too. I mean, he, uh, Alana certainly did a few miles with him. Um, mm. I mean, travelled. Uh, I hope just dancing. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it was, you know, when they did the trip over to the States for the, for the fitness camp and all of the altitude training, I think Alana was over there and it was doing a couple of, you know, across back to the show, but, uh, was over there and trying to get time to rehearse and, mm. uh, you know, w- with him. So, uh, they, you know, he, he put in, he did, he did a very good job, I thought. Um, and, he trained I mean, look, like look, he played. Look how good, look how good his body looks after being on Dancing with the Stars. It's Precisely. Amazing. But Daryl, do you have any, uh, intentions? You had Luke Rickardson in NRL and Ian Roberts from NRL. Are you gonna, uh, you're gonna follow up with maybe another good looking, uh, AFL footballer like a Cameron Ling, maybe? Oh, I think he's more like Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> but, but he just likes to nibble the ear of his partners, and I don't think it would be a good look. <laughs> so, Daryl, we, we ask our uh, the people we have on here what their earliest Collingwood memories are, what they hate about Collingwood, when the, I guess the hatred for Collingwood was first ignited in their stomach all those years back. Well, I think, you know, I'm... Pardon me, I, I'm fortunate that my, my dad used to take me to the football and we'd go to Victoria Park. And in the early days, because, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't that tall, still not that tall now, <laughs> but my dad would, um, uh, you know, we'd, we'd, I'd have to stand on half a dozen beer cans uh, to see the match. That would have been uh, hard be, to get at Vic Park. <laughs> when, when it was really muddy, you know. But the problem was, you know, Dad was inebriated by quarter time because he'd had to drink half a dozen cans so I could stand on it. <laughs> and so he actually he built me. Uh, he was, you know, his name was Jack, and he was a jack of all trades. And he built me this little stool, which I still have today. My dad's passed on now, but I still have the stool that I, he we'd take to matches, and I would stand on the stool and uh, just to give me enough height to uh, to see the match and and. Uh, Victoria Park on a you know on a winter's day was apart from freezing it, it was just uh, you know the, the, the it the water did, just didn't drain you were standing it, it wasn't up to water Daryl it was uh, it was saliva <laughs> <laughs> yes it could have been, it could have been too but I I have um, here, well I guess I have fond memories because uh, of um, of Peter McKenna, who was, uh, you know, one of the great, great players of our time. My Pete favourite was... footballer growing up. Pardon? He was my favourite footballer when I was growing up. What a great goal kicker. Well, it, you know, he was, and, and because of that, that glamour... He made you. Pardon? He made you. He was your Thank co-host, you. wasn't he, Daryl? He was my co-host of, uh, uh, on the first, uh, very first Hey Hey Saturday, and he lasted till uh, one day when uh, we were doing the show and it was Saturday mornings of course we were three hours long and it was uh, early 1972 just after the season had started and we started I mean we started the show in October uh, 71 and early in uh, 72 when the season was underway and of course he was always expected to kick you know you know six goals a match because he because he could mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we at that morning we had the wrestling ring was set up in the same studio we were in uh, for world Cham- championship wrestling so peter and i jumped in the ring and uh, you know we're throwing each other around of course he could throw me further than i could throw him but we <laughs> you know it doesn't take long before you're 
thoroughly exhausted when you're acting the goat in a wrestling ring. And he went off to play that afternoon. Uh, I think it was against Footscray, and he he uh, and it was Footscray at the time, not the Bulldogs. And he went off and. Uh, not only did he not kick six goals, he didn't even get a kick. And <laughs> Collingwood said, the, the hierarchy said, "That's it, Pete. You're not, do- you know, you're not doing Saturday morning television again, coming out and, and playing the dog of a match like that." And he said, "Look, I argued with them that it was that it was just one of those weeks. I just had a bad match." Well, well Darrell, you would have been the first Geelong person to have kept uh, mechanic to uh, zero kicks. Yeah, look, it could have been a tactic if he'd been playing Geelong, but it wasn't. We were just having fun. But the week later, he went out and uh, and it was against North Melbourne. I think he kicked eleven goals, and he said, "I my argument was dead. Was I'd had no argument because well, Darryl, we're hoping we're hoping one of our boys kicks eleven goals against your team on Saturday night. But um, what's your tip on this uh, coming weekend's match? Well, I was just about to use the line from the castle. Tell him he's dreaming. Uh, <laughs> if you if you think you're going to kick a level against us, uh, but um, I uh, I think it will still be a close match. I'd like to think that Geelong would run over you at the at the end through stamina, um, but. I can't see anybody kicking 11 goals. I'd like to think that Ablett will have a good week. Um, he, I would expect him to, to kick about three. Uh, if, if not he, uh, Chapman's playing very well. Mm. Steve Johnson last week, if he, he gets over his uh, knee from Hamill, uh, into the, uh, into the hip, mm. um, he could, uh, he kicked three goals one last week. So I, I'd hope that he also might. Uh, Kingsley is, um, you know, he might have if he has a good day, terrific. But if he doesn't, we've got other players who will come into the into the breach. But but I, I'm not sure about Rocker. I, I think this is a put up. I don't think Rocker will actually play. Hmm. Well, we'll have to wait and see until Saturday night. Obviously, he's, I think he's very sore from that shoulder, and I, I think that uh, and it was evident in the match. But I, you know, naturally, it's it's tactically right to say that he is playing. But I nowadays uh, there's a lot of that that goes on, as you know. And I I, I think it'd be if he gets up to play. Um, you know, good luck, but I don't think he's 100%. Yeah. Well, let's hope. And, Daryl, let's hope your tips are wrong, but we thank you very much. It's been an honour to have you on the show. One of Australia's greatest stars of the screen, of the of the small screen and, and of theatre and, and, and someone who's been a part of Australian culture for so many years. We thank you very much for being part of Pie Night. Uh, we wish you all the best in the next series of, uh, of Dancing with the Stars and, and, uh, and ongoing projects. But uh, but let's hope that maybe you don't have as much luck on Saturday night. Well, I think, boys, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I think uh, Geelong might just scrape in by about seven goals three. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, let's hope not. going to support that one. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, mate. Bye. Now, boys, Daryl's raised a couple of interesting names there. Milburn, Ablett, Mooney, Chapman. What do you think, Sugarfoot? Who are the keys? Chapman's the key. He is their barometer. Every time I watch Geelong, I can't help but be impressed by him. He's just got that passion he deserves. He should be playing in the vertical stripes rather than the horizontal ones. He certainly is a good player for them. He kicks sometimes miraculous goals, usually kicks them at times when they need to be kicked. So we have to watch him. But I think Geelong's defence is going to have to worry about our forwards. They've got big concerns there, driver. Um, Matthew Scarlett, he's often been used as a stepladder by Chris Tarrant. Absolutely, um, I just had that written in my notes, driver. So you've just uh, taken the wind out well, of the Well, I'm sorry there, and I've used it in the preview as well. So, <laughs> so um, you know, Matthew Scarlett and Tom Harley, they haven't hit their straps yet this year. Let's hope they don't do it this week. Daryl mentioned that Anthony Rocker has a little bit of a cloud. 
I tend to think the opposite to what Daryl said. I think there might be some ducks and drakes, but in the sense of us hiding the fact that he's fully fit mm. and he's going to come out, stand in that forward line and make it hard for the Geelong Well, defense. he didn't have any strapping at half time. You'd assume, and I'm absolutely no club doctor or physio, but you'd assume if there was any problem, Collingwood would have taken him off. They would have strapped him. They would have made every precaution. Sure. He played the rest of the game. I think the biggest problem with Anthony Rocker's left arm against West Coast is it was being held. Yeah, by um, Darren Glass. He, he should have taken it home at the end of the day. And, well, um, just I like think, Chris Tarrant's yeah, jumper. Um, Hunter should have taken Chris Tarrant's jumper home because that's what they were doing all, all night. I think being back in Melbourne is going to mean we're going to get an even run of those decisions from the umpires. No hopefully, crowd decisions. On, on Saturday night. I expect there to be a really big crowd. It's one of these walk-up games where people haven't pre-booked, but hanging around on a Saturday afternoon, it's the match of the round. People will be talking about it. Pie fans, get out there. Get to the MCG. Make sure you're there to watch our team in action. Um, our young guns, Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, We ben want Johnson, four points. We, it's a simple we, as that we need four points. four points. We want to go six and two. Will it be an ugly game, guys, or will it be an open shootout? What do you think? We've got to blow it open early. We can't afford another slow start. We, we well, got we got blasted right. away we last week. Catch up footy. We, we've got to get a, get away to a good start early, so Geelong are forced to play attacking football. If they kick the first couple, watch them go into lockdown mode and and flood. Well, I think Cameron Cloak is coming into the side, and he's going to help Josh. We talked about Josh being um, double-teamed by CB and Cox, and I think it'll be the same with Ottens and King. And, and look, let's and face it, Cameron Cloak's got a side. big body. He's been kicking goals, throwing his weight around at Williamstown. He's going to be a hard matchup for you know as a third tall for Geelong's defence. Sugarfoot, do you have a tip? I do. Look, i just got a feeling that Dids is going to turn it on like he did last year against the Cats, and the Pies are going to win by 33 points. Driver? Sensational. I, I think the Woods are going to win by about 28 points. The player for mine to watch um, this week is Ryan Loney on the open spaces of the MCG. I'm expecting Ryan to play well through the midfield and kick about two or three goals as well. I'm with you, Driver. I think the Pies by 39 points. I think we beat Geelong last year when we had a... Uh, a rough patch, rough patch with injuries. I think we're back, and more than that, we're back in Melbourne, and we, uh, you know, we had our, our hiccup against um, against the West Coast last week. We should take the four points against Geelong. We've got our producer of Collingwood TV, Clinton Bound, here to talk about two things: his tip and also the brand new development this week. Indeed, uh, Conno. Thanks, boys. Um, you guys already know this, obviously, but we've now. Available as a podcast, which is fantastic. Unreal. Within one day of being available, we're ranked 22 top, we're the 22nd top podcast in Australia, which is fantastic news. And let's go all the way to the top Pies fans. Pies fans, subscribe, iTunes. We want to be number one Absolutely. on the field and in the iTunes podcast. In the world. That's it. In the it. world. Uh, tip boys, I reckon you know, I had a tip a couple of weeks ago, 40 points. I had a few people scoffed at me. 40, I think it was 44 points at the end of the day. I think we're going to blow Geelong apart and I think we can be looking at about, uh, another 40 odd points, uh, for the pies we like the way you think and well done great work clinton and pies fans make sure you do subscribe to the podcast and help make this podcast number one in australia number one in the world boys as we say this week and every week go 